0: This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast.
1: Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, November 14th, 2019, edition of Invest Talk. And there's a lot of moving parts going on in today's economy, and we are here to give you an unbiased analysis of what's happening. I'm Justin Klein. I thank you for joining me today, and I hope you will call me with your investing questions because you drive the show. Your thoughts, your questions, your concerns. Are what matter most to us each and every day on Invest Talk. So please give us a call at 888 99 chart, 889 4278. If you do give us a call, you can shape this show to your particular advantage. And our goal each and every weekday is to help you make that next step in your own version and own path of financial freedom. And we do that with a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. So this is not CNBC. Once again, I don't have bells and whistles and flashing lights. It's a radio show. Why would I have flashing lights, right? Well, in this hour, I'm going to do my best to move you along in a sound, down-to-earth way. Right? We're not talking about pie-in-the-sky, save-the-world ideas. We're talking about sound strategy, sound businesses, sound economics, Now, quick calendar note, Steve will be returning to San Jose on December 5th, which is three three weeks away or so. It'll be a Thursday, he's taking appointments now for these sit-down one-on-one portfolio review consultations. It'll be his last of the year, at least outside of the Southern California area. We're in Irvine, California, so anybody in that region could always sit down with us at our home office, but Steve often travels outside of the area, and this is one of those opportunities. You can register now at investtalk.com. Now my main talking point today concerns the story, Google is getting into banking and the company will offer checking accounts next year. There's a small caveat to that, but you know, Apple and Facebook have begun their foray into the banking world or the finance world and Google is just the latest. So we're going to look into that, what that means for the tech industry as a whole, what their ultimate goal is, and how that might affect others in the banking industry as well. So that's our main talking point. But but also, I want you to I want to go over the difference between speculating, investing, and lending, and when it's appropriate for each. We're going to touch on that. Also. Disney has launched their new streaming service. I'm going to touch on that and what that looks like, what are the pros and cons of it, as well as what happened. Remember what Amazon pulled out of New York? They were going to create a bunch of jobs and invest a bunch into Long Island City. Well, they changed their plans to Northern Virginia, and we're going to discuss what impact that has had on both Regions, and I think it'd be a good lesson for for everybody. So that's what's on my mind today. What I want to talk about, but ultimately I want to know what is was on your mind. That is a number one each and every weekday. Now let's take a look at the market today. It was basically a flat day. Started up a little bit, sold off into uh, the the late morning, and slowly marched a little bit higher. You had the queues were down four tenths of one or four basis points. So 0.04%. The small caps were down up one basis point. S&P up 18 basis points. So it was really a you know, do-nothing day, kind of flat. Uh, I think there's still a lot of optimism built into the prices right now in relation to the trade deal. And as you've seen from news over the past couple of days, the trade deal clearly does not have the legs that I think it was touted it did just a week ago. So, could there still be a deal? Possibly. But I I don't love the the trend of the headlines around the trade deal. And clearly, Trump is great at marketing things that a lot of times don't have as much substance as you would hope they would. Okay, and that's that's just the history of, of Trump. He's a fantastic marketer, and you have to give him uh, absolute credit for that. But you know he's been marketing these trade deals for a year plus now, and we still have not had anything substantial. And I still don't think we will. So I could see us in a holding pattern for a little while until we get a little more clarity on this trade deal. Now let's kick off the caller questions. Now this investor wants an answer, and we'll have it for him. And you can. You can call anytime as well at 888-99-CHART. Hey guys, this is Kevin from Michigan.
0: I love the show. I am curious about a company called Well Tower,
2: W-E-L-L. It's a REIT. I've heard you guys talking about this area for a little while, and this is one that I found that I kind of like. I'm just not sure what a good entry point would be or if it's a good option. Thanks. I'll listen on the podcast.
1: All right, he's looking at Well Tower. W-E-L-L is the symbol. They, this is a REIT that invests in healthcare and senior housing facilities located in 51 states, D.C., U.K., and Canada. Not much growth to this name. In 2014, they made $4.13, and this year they're supposed to make $4.16. So flat, pretty much stable earnings, kind of what you would expect from a, a company that, Invests in properties that tend to not be very cyclical, right? and you're gonna. This is going to have a lot more movement to bond prices, for example. And you see that with the, the movements, right? This went down from. Go to a weekly chart on this real quick. This went down last year from a high in 2017 of 78 dollars, and as interest rates went up because of quantitative tightening and change in Fed policy, a more hawkish Fed. This went all the way down to 51. And as soon as they pivoted, basically, mid, mid to late last year, you saw this rally from that low all the way to 92 today, and or 92, and then now we're at 82 today. So it's had a decent pullback and into some longer-term support, definitely into some longer-term support around this 80 to 83 range, the 50-week moving average, I like that, uh, and the hundred, it's right at the 200-day moving average. So certainly some solid long-term support. Yields about 4.2%, but once again, growth is very meager. 2% earnings growth, or revenue growth, excuse me, and 1%, not earnings growth, because that's not how you characterize REIT, quote-unquote earnings, it's funds from operation, basically cash flow, that grew only 1%. So you're getting uh, modest growth, for somewhat expensive REIT. And you're talking about enterprise value to even about 23. That's on the expensive side, definitely. So while I like the sector overall, this definitely wouldn't be my favorite uh, in the sector. And it would be a little bit overvalued, probably in the tune of 10 to, to 15%. But it is at longer term support. So for the short to medium term, you know, I kind of like it. But I do think... There will be a better buying opportunity back when this is around maybe 20 on the enterprise value, to even of 20 as opposed to 23. So that's why I say it's a probably a little overvalued here. But I do like this sector. i like that it's anti cyclical. And you're going to get that nice 4.2% dividend. So, short to medium term, I kind of like Well Tower. W E L L is the symbol. They're listening to Invest Stock, I'm Justin Klein. And you and I both know that no, that no one can reliably predict market moves. It's very difficult. You have different forces moving the market each and every day and every week. But you do need to have a portfolio that has balance for your goals and your needs. And you can sit down with myself or Steve at our Irvine, California offices or do it online, Skype, just a phone call, FaceTime, however you want to do it. You can connect with us. And now I'm ready to take your questions at eight 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 ninety nine chart
2: It's another busy investor work week. You've got investment and financial questions, and Steve and Justin are ready to give you their unbiased guidance. The Talk phone lines are open, so call now,
1: 888-99-CHART. Well, let's take a quick look at some key benchmarks today. Oil held steady at $57 a barrel even though inventory rose, but it rose less than expected. Now, gasoline prices at two sixty per gallon as the national average. California still racks in at the highest, over $4 a gallon. And I always follow UGA. If you're ever wondering kind of the trend of gasoline prices, UGA is a good proxy for that. It's a good ETF. Two-year treasury yield was 1.58% Down a little bit today, as well as the 10 year to 1.81%. And you're getting a little bit of a drop here in yields. You know, I talked about this a couple days ago, I think on Monday. How much farther does this increase in yields from about 1.5 to close to 2% just a few days ago, how much more legs does it have? And what you've seen in the last Few days is kind of a risk-off sentiment. Now, does that have to do with less optimism around the trade war? It's not being really reflected in the equity markets, but certainly the bond markets are reacting to that, uh, and there's a little bit more risk-off sentiment. You're getting bids to a lot of the anti-cyclical sides of the market, like utilities, consumer staples, etc. So, I thought that was pretty interesting. Gold was up to 1471 per ounce still a very very controlled consolidation phase here over the past few months and looks continues to look constructive and something everybody should be at least thinking about adding to their portfolio if not overweighting your typical allocation to gold and silver at this time now if you're watching bitcoin it was priced at 8645 uh per coin uh so kind of still in that no man's not bullish, not bearish kind of setup overall. And I think uh, a lot of times Bitcoin prices will be correlated with the market. And correlated, I mean, I'll go a little ahead of the market is what I mean. So you see when it drops, it might fall out of bed here over the next few weeks. That might be a leading indicator of the overall market or vice versa. Now we can squeeze in another caller at eight 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 ninety nine chart
2: Yes, hello. This is Mark from Cincinnati. Love the show. I was calling about this ticker symbol NOK, Nokia. Um, I see that you know with the five G coming in the future, stock looks like it's a good buy for a long time hold. I was just trying to get your guys' opinion. Thank you.
1: All right, looking at Nokia. Everybody remembers Nokia. Well, they're still around. They were. I was actually one of my favorite phones I had back in college. I had a little the little Nokia candy bar phones. Love those things. I used to be able to text with T9 super easy without even looking. It was great. Uh, I actually loved those pro- their products. Uh, but ever since the iPhone came out, they've been losing, losing market share. And now I don't even think they make phones anymore. They actually make the broadband infrastructure of the mobile, uh, the mobile network. Right? So... They're just another big supplier, $18 billion company, and that's down pretty dramatically just over the past few months. Back in July, we were at almost $6 a share, and now we're at $3.37 a share, so almost down 50% in the span of three, four months. And the reason is because earnings came in poor. Revenue last quarter grew two, or shrank 2%, and earnings shrank 29%. So net income is negative, and I don't like it. Uh, they don't have a lot of debt, that's probably the biggest positive here. Enterprise value to EBITDA is nine, not expensive, but for a company whose net income is negative uh, and their EBITDA is in decline, that worries me here. So. Uh, I'm not a fan of, of Nokia and I don't know if they have a strong competitive advantage within the space. And that's what worries me the most. So uh, technically, it doesn't look great and fundamentally, it does not look great either. Now, you listen listening to Talk? I'm Justin Klein and we present this program with, the, with five shows each week, Monday through Friday, broadcasted live and streaming on InvestTalk.com from 4 to 5 Pacific time. And whenever you have an investment question, I encourage you to explore our podcast library at Spotify, Google Play, or iTunes. And now I'm taking your questions live at 888-99-CHART.
0: Napa know how. Right now, only at Napa, AAA members get a 20% discount. So you can avoid getting stranded on the side of the road by picking up some quality parts like batteries, brake pads, and more. Meaning you can prevent the problem before it ever becomes a problem. Bravo. That's 20% off for AAA members. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores. Exclusions apply. May not be combined with other offers. Offer ends eleven thirty nineteen.
2: Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call eight 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 ninety nine chart.
1: Eight 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 ninety nine chart, eight eight nine nine two four two seven eight. Now my my main talking point today concerns the story that Google is getting into the banking industry. And they're set to offer a checking account next year. Now, this is going to be more like a partnership because they don't plan to brand it as Google a Google checking account at first. So it's going to have the financial institution's name on it. And it looks like they're going to try to partner with Citigroup on this. And this comes after the likes of Apple and Facebook have used their heft and broad reach to enter into the space as well obviously apple has apple pay as well as the apple credit card facebook is recently launched a, a way to transfer money over their platform as well and they say that they're not going to sell customer data that's what one of the google executives say but we all know that that's not google's end game they're Their end game is to get data so they can sell advertising. That's what Google is at the end of the day. It's an advertising company. And I actually think, I don't know if you've searched Google recently, they're being a lot shadier with which links are advertising and which links are real search results it's pretty interesting. You now have, if you click any of the white space, it takes you to some other site that you know they've sold to advertisers. I'm not a big fan of it. I think they are sh- potentially shooting themselves in the foot, but I digress. I, I just don't love the changes that they've made. but they know that more and more people are doing stuff online in a digital way, including banking. And banks and financial institutions overall have been concerned with a lot of small, nimble fintech startups eating their lunch in a lot of ways. But what's coming, becoming more and more of reality is that the large FANG names, the, the large tech names in the world today that have such reach are more than able to... Service the needs of the customers of these big banks, and they're eating. They're the ones that are eating you know, the, the lunch of J.P. Morgan and Bank of America, et cetera. And that's part of the reasons why I think they're partnering with them as well. Amazon has reportedly been talking with J.P. Morgan over their own launch of a checking account as well. Uber is pushing into financial services, you know, and we you know we talked about Apple. But this is where the world is going. And the biggest risk here is, once again, that you're entrenching more and more of your life or entrusting more and more of your life and life data of your life to these large tech companies. And I think it continues to risk the ire of government. This is very reminiscent of the monopolistic breakups of the railroads who had a monopoly over movement of goods. Now it's the Googles of the world, the Apples of the world, the Amazons of the world that basically have monopolized data on all of us. And what's scarier is that they're using that data to study us, and oftentimes manipulate us into decisions that we know they know are hardwired into our brain you know the way they feed up certain ads and certain products and structure the websites that you you see and the search resorts, results that you see based on past search results and now they're going to have another layer of data which is your financial transactions which is probably the most intimate type of data that you have right think about all the places All the data that you can get by knowing where you swiped your credit card. It knows where you were, at what time. can often say who you're with. Especially if you search Google on your phone at that time as well. Who else swiped their card at that location. What websites you bought things from online. Think about that. Google, Facebook, these large corporations know way more about you than you do yourself because they look at you along with millions of other people and they can extract their own conclusions of why people do this or why people do that and it suddenly becomes more of a game to get you to click on a certain ad, buy a certain product, and they know how to do that because they can ab test a million different ways and they can understand your behavioral patterns along with everybody else's and guess what we're human our brains are wired in similar ways and so JP Morgan Chase doesn't have this data they don't they might not have your financial data but they don't have your website traffic data your email data all the data that we're giving these large corporations, large tech names, every single day, every hour, every minute almost. So the big banks are right to be concerned. Now on the next talk: stock market. The stock market's 10 year run has become the best bull market ever. Since the March 2000, the S&P 500 has enjoyed a 468% gain. That story tomorrow, Steve's gonna touch on that. And but for now, I'm Justin Klein, and I'm ready to take your questions at 8899 chart You know what my husband and I really want? I mean, after years of working and saving and investing, we want financial freedom, financial freedom to do and live as we want. But our old 401k plan, it's out of date. It can't truly be working for us.
0: You're listening to someone who would benefit from a personalized portfolio review. The kind of unbiased advice and sensible investment strategies offered in a no-cost preliminary consultation by KPP Financial.
1: Sure, we feel confident about some of our investment decisions over the years, but retirement will get here someday, and we should cover our bases now. Get
0: a valuable second opinion on your current financial picture. And KPP Financial doesn't impose unnecessary products or services, so you can make informed decisions with your money. At KPP Financial, we offer independent thinking and shared success.
1: KPP Financial, okay.
2: This is Invest Talk, the radio program and podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom. You may be a regular listener. You may even have called a few times. But if you've never called, what are you waiting for? The phone lines are open, and Steve and Justin would love to hear your questions right now. Call 888-99-CHART.
1: Let's go to Vitaly in Atlanta. He's looking at Walgreens Boots Alliance.
2: Yes, thanks for taking my call. Um, I wanted to find out uh, your opinion on the SOG WBA, um, like, I guess, like, one to five years out, like, what do you think of the stock? Um, I've bought it close to the bottom, and I'm trying to figure out whether, you know, to hold it long-term or just want to get your overall opinion on the stock.
1: Well, do you know about the potential buyouts?
2: Uh, yes, I do. I have heard that lately. Okay.
1: Okay, well, yeah. So, basically, KKR, which is a private equity behemoth, is looking to buy this out for about seventy-five billion dollars a share, seventy-five dollars a share, which would equate to about a twenty percent premium from where it at today. And now we're at a market cap of fifty-six billion. So, you know, you're talking somewhere in the neighborhood of seventy billion dollars uh, is the buyout offer. Do you know? i I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly why it's kind of up in the air. Do you remember that?
2: I uh, do not know. I just heard about the buyout. I've been reading the news lately, and I was holding a long term um, when where it bottoms uh, bottoms, and um, you know it's been kind of trending up. And I'm trying to you know figure out: do I just keep holding, and like you know is this something that you would consider core holding, or kind of just sell it once the buyout happens? Just want to you know find out like long term, what do you think of this stock?
1: Well. There's really no long term if there's a buyout, right? Because you're going to get that seventy five dollars a share, so that's your 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 medium term upside. Now, long term, there's certainly if it doesn't go through, you're going to this stock's going to drop, right? Part of the reason it's rallied and fell actually, you know, fell uh, after the buyout was kind of put off. I forget exactly why it was put off. Um, but there's more optimism now around that buyout that's actually going to happen. You know, this fell from about $80 a share all the way to 50 because of that pessimism around the buyout. Now the optimism is starting to creep back in, um, and so until there's some clarity around whether or not there's going to be a buyout, then there's no long-term. Way to look at this right you don't look at this long term in any way until you get a resolution and if you get a resolution where there's no buyout then this is going to fall and you're going to get a better price and then you would look at it more long term uh, but in the medium term short term the only way you can look at this is is there going to be a buyout or isn't there if you think there's going to be a buyout then you want to hold it because you're going to get that 75 ish dollars per share if that does go through. Now if you don't think there's gonna be a buyout and that's not gonna go through, this is gonna sink back again, you know, probably back into the 40 to 50 dollar uh, range. So that's really what it's all about in the near term. Long term doesn't matter at all at this point because if there is not a buyout, like I said, it's gonna sink and you're gonna get a much better price. So you have to just think about and analyze whether this buyout is going to go through or not. And then you can decide what to do, whether to buy or hold, okay? And like I said, if you think it's not going to go through, sell it, wait for that dip. Then you buy it long-term. If you like it long-term, I don't love it just simply because of the, the trend in the retail space. But, you know, it is relatively cheap overall, so I don't I don't hate that. But uh, I just don't love the retail space and the trends online. So that worries me the most. So thanks for the call, Patali. Hope that makes sense. Eight eight nine nine 99 chart 888 4278 That's a good segue to what I want to talk about next, and that's about whether or not you should, what portion of your money should be lending versus investing versus speculating. And now, we all know that inflation is there. That's what the goal of central banks are, and that's what they want to do. They want to create inflation. In today's world, you're not getting much interest on your savings account, and that's not enough to keep up with the inflation that they're trying to create. So, If you want to grow your savings, you have to invest it in some way. You have to put it to work. and When you do that, you face trade-offs of risk and reward. There's the rule of thumb of more risk, more return. That's certainly true, but higher risk just means higher risk doesn't just mean always higher return right if you gave money to your cousin who you've lent money to before and they didn't pay you back last time and they're supposed to pay you back again with interest is that I risk probably but if you lend it to your brother, who always paid you back? Is that that's the same thing? You're lending to somebody else, but there's two different levels of risk. You, so a lot of people say, "Well, they're both high risk. They're both lending to individuals," but it's about history, right? When it comes to putting your money to work, you have those options: lending, investing, speculating, and there's different amounts of risk that come with each different potentials for gain and loss. Now lending is when you enter some sort of agreement to give money to a third party with a condition that they give that money back to you with interest by a particular date. And when you lend that money, the risk is they won't pay you back in full, maybe only part and none at all. So the more likely that entity that third party is going to pay you back, the more you can charge an interest for that and the higher return you'll have. And you can lend money to a lot of different entities the government, banks, corporations, individuals, you know, your cousin, your brother. And they all carry varying risks of default. So if you're going to lend to the government, you can buy treasury bills, bonds. With a bank, you can buy CDs, money market accounts, savings accounts. and buy corporate bonds, voting rate bonds. Individuals, that's hard money, right? Hard money lending. That's often uh, the most prevalent way you can lend to individuals. Now, if the inflation rate is higher than the interest rate that you're getting, you're poorer at the end of the deal, right? But the main goal is just simply to have that security that they're going to give you your money back at some point. Now, if you're investing or speculating, it's not about somebody or an entity giving you money back at some point. Investing and speculating are often conflated because they are somewhat similar. Investing is buying some sort of asset because of the underlying fundamentals and the idea that it will appreciate over time. Certainly with all investments, there's risk that that value will go down. You will lose money but you still need a plan for long-term growth diversifying your assets to offset some of the risks that's involved Now, how can you invest you can buy real estate raw land stocks obviously and that could be an individual stock or a mix of individual stocks it can be etfs mutual funds index funds also investing in your own education Increase your own value of what was called human capital. Most people think of capital as assets. The most important capital that you could invest in is human capital, your own. Now, speculating is when you're making a bet on big future changes in value, things that are not as prevalent to the average person today. You might win big, you might lose big. And that's why you don't want this to be the bread and butter of your of your future income and future financial security. You no, know, how do you speculate? You can buy day trade, swing trade, buy junk bonds, penny stocks, go to the casino, buy lottery tickets, fantasy football, cryptocurrencies, you know the next drug that's gonna cure cancer. Maybe invest in your family member's startup. And all of those things can have big payoffs, but they often have big bosses as well. So all three have pros and cons. So what you need to know is that it's okay to do all three. A lot of people say, I just want to do this one thing and and that's all I should do. Well, it doesn't mean you can't do other things, it's just how much money do you put towards those other things. If you can't afford to lose the money in the near term, you want to be lending, right? You want to be putting money into into banks and, and, and government bonds. Long-term retirement goals, kids' college fund, that's about investing. Speculation can be fun, but it needs to be a small part of your portfolio and your assets that you don't lose. Can't afford to lose. Excuse me. I'm Justin Klein, listening to Invest Talk, and obviously you understand the importance of unbiased guidance and experienced market analysis. So I encourage you to subscribe to our KPP Premium Newsletter. It's written and distributed every single Friday. You get valuable information like market analysis, portfolio management guidance, stock ideas, personal finance tips, etc. You can subscribe anytime at InvestTalk.com. And now I'm ready to take your questions live at eight 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 ninety nine chart.
2: Here's good news for InvestTalk listeners in Northern California. Steve Peasley is making one final 2019 consultation trip. On Thursday, December 5th, Steve will sit down with listeners in San Jose, California to review and then help them optimize their asset portfolios. Steve's consultations are offered at no cost and with no obligation. So get your financial freedom objectives in shape for the coming year. Appointment availability is limited. Learn more and register now at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open. Steve and Justin are taking your calls now. 888 99 Chart.
1: Go to Cindy in Fremont. She's looking at ORI, which is Old Republic International. This is a property and liability commercial insurance and title mortgage. And company, company. $7 billion market cap. Are you looking to buy it, sell it, give it away?
0: Looking to buy it.
1: Okay. And why do you like it?
0: Um, it's stable and nothing fancy.
1: That's definitely true. It's an insurance company. Usually those aren't very exciting and it's a, about a $7 billion market cap. Small amount of debt, which I like that and it's not growing, that's the biggest issue here is revenue was flat year over year last quarter, earnings were down nine percent year over year. The return on equity twelve percent. Solid, not exciting, not outstanding. It kind of stays around this ten to twelve percent range, so over the long term. So that's you know, once again not exciting, but you know, pretty solid. Yields three and a half percent. Let me look how secure that dividend is. Payout ratio is eighty percent, a little high for my liking, but payout, cash dividend payout ratio, which is based on cash flow as opposed to earnings, is sixty-five percent, a little bit nicer there. And they don't have a lot of debt, which I like. That are you? Are you just trying to get something stable, anti-cyclical that's going to pay you a, a, a decent dividend? Is that what you're looking at?
0: Yeah, I'm looking to like long-term holds and yeah. And I was wondering. Always a good entering entering point for
1: it. Well, you've had a recent pullback from about $24 a share, hit support around in the low 22 range. Now we're at 22.77 at the close today. Uh, that drop does worry me a little bit because it was so swift on a weekly basis. It was it was pretty bearish, and now it's kind of consolidating bearishly, and that worries me a, a, a little bit there. Fundamental or technically. The MACD has rolled over, it did make a divergent high on the RSI. So I don't love it technically. It's definitely not in bad shape at all because it's still above its weekly hundred week moving average, fifty week moving average. So technically it's fairly solid. Valuation wise, I don't think it's overvalued. I definitely don't. You're looking at enterprise valued EVIT of eight. You know, that's okay. Uh, it, it, so, you know, it's it's kind of ho-hum. I don't love it, but it's a, it's a solid business. You're right, very boring. But if you're looking to kind of clip, clip, clip that coupon of 3.5% per year and a business that is simply just steady, uh, I, I kind of like it. Not exciting, but if you're looking for a boring name that's just probably going to be solid, this is a good name. Thanks for the call, Sydney. Sydney, excuse me. That was O-R-I, Old Republic International Corporation. Thanks for the call. Eight eight nine nine chart eight eight nine nine two four two seven eight. 4278 Now, we're going into the last segment of the show. And after the break, I'm going to talk a little bit about Amazon and the impact their decision to move out of Long Island City and into Northern Virginia has had on both regions. I think that'll be an interesting discussion topic. So give me a call if you have anything else on your mind. Anything you want to talk about in this last segment, please give me a call. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here each and every weekday, and that is to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break at 888.99 chart.
2: On the next Invest Talk, the stock market's 10 year run has become the best bull market ever. Since March of 2009, the S&P 500 has enjoyed a 468% gain. That story tomorrow. But now Justin Klein is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. Call Justin 888
1: 99 Chart. Let's go to Chris in Walmart Walnut City or Walnut Creek, excuse me. Looking at Exxon and Chevron. You looking to buy one of them?
2: Uh, yes, uh, thank you for, uh, uh, taking my call. Uh, just want to thank you for the show, you and, um, Steve. So, uh, I'm thinking about adding oil in my portfolio. Um, both companies pay good dividends. I'm just not sure which one I should get into and if it's maybe now or later on. So, what's your, what's your take on that?
1: Uh, I, I'm I'm not against oil uh, at these prices as well as what's happening, what I think is going to happen with the dollar, which I think is going to decline. So uh, the economic backdrop of oil looks uh, fairly solid, at least for the next uh, three to six months. And if you're looking to invest in that space, then Chevron and Exxon are the two largest. And they're both struggling financially uh, as well as the the, the industry as a whole, right, because prices have come down pretty dramatically over the past couple of years. And Chevron yields about 4%, and Exxon yields somewhere in the neighborhood of 5%. right? So you're getting a better dividend yield on Exxon, but that's, once again, not the only story. Exxon bought, I believe it was XTO Energy some years back, which was a big gas producer, paid a lot for it, and the gas market is not done very hot, and that's one of the reasons why Exxon's not doing as well as Chevron. Neither are doing great, but Chevron is certainly outperforming the likes of Exxon, at least in the near term. And while the dividend yield is higher on Exxon, the valuation metrics are cheaper on Chevron. You have an enterprise value to EBITDA about 6.7 versus 8.2 on Exxon and return on assets higher on Chevron, 5.18, versus Exxon, 4.12, so if I'm picking one of the two, I'm absolutely picking Chevron over Exxon, and technically, Chevron on the charts looks a lot stronger, so I'm definitely gonna go with Chevron over Exxon. Let's go to Noel in Napa, looking at Griffin GFF. Looking to buy it? Yeah.
2: uh yeah, uh, no, I'm I'm looking to sell. It's uh, I've, I've got a long term uh, position in it, and uh, okay. it's gotten uh, made a big move up today, about fourteen percent, and and it's in the area where i ex hoping for it to go, and it's it's there. So I put a trailing stop on it today, but I thought I'd see if you see, and, and so I would because of the big move today, I would expect it to probably be down tomorrow. But thought I'd get your take, and and if you. Could see any uh, a level above twenty five forward, or if that's about as good as it's
1: going to get? There's definitely a lot of resistance around this level. This was the high back in two thousand seventeen, and it didn't get above that high in two thousand six either. Right around twenty seven. That's uh, kind of the next big resistance level: 27 dollars a share. So you and this is ran from about nine fifty or so in late 2018, so it's had a very strong run, and the fundamentals, while solid, are definitely not fantastic. Revenue grew at its slowest pace in two years at 5%, same with earnings, only at 5% year over year as well. yields 1.2%, it's only a billion to market cap. Certainly a good company, uh, but definitely cyclical. They manufacture plastic films, laminates, garage doors, landscaping products, and electronic commu- communication systems. Do you know what has driven their recent outperformance and why their business looks so good at the current time?
2: Uh, well, they had a, a big, uh, a strong uh, fourth quarter here, um, which, and it exceeded expectations. So I think that was the impetus for the big move today. Uh, they came out with their earnings. Yeah, I was. Day, I was
1: so yeah, sure but I'm wondering what's driving that. Push. You know, the, the the majority of the revenue comes from home and building products. So uh, I'm assuming the strength in that in the housing market recently, because of lower interest rates, certainly is is helping that. I would imagine. So I have to dig a little deeper in the fundamentals of you know, was this more sustainable or is this kind of a short term cyclical bump? Uh, and my guess is it would be the latter, and therefore I would certainly be. Having that trailing stop, reducing my position, rebalancing lower after this biggest big run because the fundamentals are okay but not super attractive, uh, and you're up into some major resistance. Thanks for the call, Noah. I'm Justin Klein, and this completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley returns tomorrow, and I'll be back on Monday. Remember, you can access our free Invest Talk podcast downloads at iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Be sure to listen, rate, and review. Good night.